Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Alright, this week we are going to go back into our archives and hear the second episode of this pod that we recorded, but never released. And that's the reason for the poor sound quality. But Jonathan picked the song, it's by The Temptations, and on that note... Cause I'm in the shit house, wish I played in a rock and roll band. Somebody give me a dollar bill, so I can pass out on the jukebox singing. Welcome to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. This week we will be talking about the 1971 number one hit by The Temptations, Just My Imagination. Yeah, I mean, I listen to all kinds of music, and I can't hardly think of any tune I've ever heard that does more emotional work and is more expressive that has, like, fewer technical things going on musically. I mean... The bulk of the song, I mean, like 95% of the song, just two chords. Uh, there's one chord in the bridge. but And yet, in spite of that simplicity, when I think of the song, I almost think of like a, a short story or a short film. And to me, it's that conveying of emotion that is the point of music. And when something does that with two chords, it's astounding because it shows you that like in spite of the fact that Playing music is a technical thing, and there are strings, and there's music theory. That there is still a magic that is actually the thing that matters most to people who listen to music, which is pretty much everybody. I would I would agree with that uh, wholeheartedly, and the the orchestration in this song is so good. There's the the initial riff before the orchestration really kicks in, right? It seems simple, super simple, uh, relatively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a difficult thing. It's for it's very standard guitar playing let's put it that way why do you think they came in with like this simple little riff before this kind of soaring orchestration it's because they originally recorded the whole thing with the funk brothers the uh the motown house band honestly i'd love to hear just that version with no strings just the temptation mm-hmm. from the funk brothers For sure and i love that it's there's so many things going on but it sounds like one instrument from the voices to the strings to the guitar to the bass it's all one creamy, creamy sound. It's just like when it comes on, like I'm like I'm not if I'm standing in line at the store, or I'm just not there anymore. It transcends reality, and that's the point of art, you know, is to give someone a different perspective. And and it, I think it is it so efficiently. It, it is. I mean, the strings basically, it's like the song goes from that riff, and then kind of the, the the strings come in. It's like you're floating into love, or like the idea of it, right? And you don't really know yet what exactly it's about or anything like that. And it's kind of you know the lyrics are a little tricky, and then like oh this guy you know he's in love with this girl, and then you know it kind of goes down this road that could be interpreted as creepy. But like the the orchestration creates this dreamscape that almost makes it childish mm-hmm. and makes it a little innocent. Yeah, on my one of my first listens, I definitely got the creepy vibe. It, but it, it's so like it's such a internal moment for one guy. But it's 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 one of the most sweetest songs. And if you if you flip it on its head, I just I kind of imagine at one point like 
how creepy it would be if there was like a serial killer movie and this song played over as he's like peering out the window. And actually that would fit very well. If it's a man, this song is from a man's perspective. It is very creepy, but it's from like a teenager or a child. It's very innocent. Again, every guy has this moment, but you're not necessarily thinking about marriage and kids, but like every guy, every girl, I mean, everyone looks at everyone and kind of like lets their imagination run away with them. We've all seen somebody at some point, and granted, it's it is literally just your imagination because you're not because you're, you're literally only seeing the person, and then you're projecting all this other stuff onto them. You have no idea who that person is. Like that could suck. I mean, it's kind of like that chick don't like Conan the Barbarian, which means she is not an option. <laughs> so I mean, we're projecting our own bullshit onto somebody else. But that being said that's why I think it's so effective. It's something we can all relate to. And it's like in an instant that happens. But it goes back to almost like Chuck Berry in the in the, in the the 50s where, you know, you're writing songs about, about being a kid because that's what made money, you know, rock and roll. Yeah, but he was actually putting cameras in bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with all that being said, with this song, it really is just like the thing where you see somebody and you're just like, oh man, it's, like, it's totally objectification. It's totally just you projecting. It's childlike it, love. It's childlike love. I mean, like what I'm saying is like, if, if you take away the orchestration and the music and you just read these lyrics as like a 45 year old man and you're like, mm, I don't know about that guy. But when you put this orchestration and this, you just kind of float off into like a daydream. And even as, as like a 37 year old man now, I float off until like uh, my 10 year old self when like I had a crush on somebody and was like, oh, I have a crush to like, I'm in love with this person. I'm going to marry this person. You know, at 10, it's just like something that's going to happen. The first person you see walking down the street. Yeah. And I think it's just the um, it's the specifics. I don't know. I not many people think about like how many kids you're going to have. And I, I can't believe that this girl belongs to only me. You know what I mean? It's very it's very it's so specific. And that's why I got a creepy vibe, but just the whole like AM radio sound to it just takes it back to like. But it's a fine line, you know I mean? You're talking about like, this is the subject of childlike dreams and also of like serial killers. But the thing is, I mean, you also gotta give somebody artistic license to make something fit a song structure that you know it's not like. And the thing is, I think it pulls you so into the moment that like, it's something like you become that person and you know that you don't mean anything creepy by it. It's yes. like, it, it like it literally pulls you into the, like you almost feel like the narrator because it's like, it's something you identify with and that's the power of the fucking song. It's like, I can identify with uh, as that. Right. I mean, I, I can't speak from a female's per- perspective, but from a male, like, yeah, I mean, you, you can relate to this very quickly and very easily. Bridget Jones's diary shows you there's a feminine point of view that has the same thing going on. That, that's how that's how advertisements work. Yeah, they don't sell the item; they sell the experience. Yeah. So that's what it is because it pulls you into that. When you see that car, it's like I'm gonna be in that car driving down Pacifica's highway. It's like, dude, you live in motherfucking Oklahoma, and you're gonna have to pay for that car. You're gonna be working all the time. But it sells that experience. And that's what this, but this song does it without trying to sell you anything else. It's just trying to, it's the humanity. But it was just my imagination Running away with me This is one of the few songs that I can say the chorus is probably the least interesting part of the song. I, I hear where you could have got that, but I don't necessarily agree. Like, I, I think it's, but I hear where you're coming from. It's, 
there's so much going on more in the verses. Like I, I see what your, I see what your point is, but I think here's what it is. It doesn't. The song doesn't lead to the chorus. It's the 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 chorus encapsulates. It contextualizes. It's not like a Beatles song where it, the point is the chorus. The point of this song is not the chorus. The point of the song is the vibe, and then the chorus it gives you context, which is almost like a punchline. And I think one quick point, and why you may think that, is because the chords don't change. There's not a big moment. So it's just like, it just rolls on and on. It's all the same thing, and there's much more to grab onto in the verses. That's a great point. But if you think about the song in terms of theme and eternal lyrically, the verses are like you're in this dream. You're lost in this dream. So there's a lot more going on. The, the chorus grounds the song in reality. That's the part of the song where you know, like, oh, this guy's just thinking, you know, it's just my imagination. But see, that's the thing that to me, that though, is actually the thing that. Is it so profound that it reminds me to don't just be sitting there daydreaming? Like when you see somebody, if something makes an impression on you, don't sleep on that. Don't be that dude in that song. Be like, go get that. Don't make it just yeah. your imagination. Like yeah, make yeah. it happen. That's part of it too. Is like I feel bad for this guy. I'm like, go talk to her every day. And that's why I come back to the crib. It's like every day, bro. Go talk to her. A small part of me thinks that whoever wrote the lyrics of the song may have seen Rear Window. The Hitchcock movie where Cary Grant's just sitting in the window watching neighbor with the binoculars. Just some scenario of that where you just can't like get out of your apartment and you just have this one like little outlet, you know, off your balcony and you just kind of look in and you see this woman every day or this girl. And you're yeah. just like, what would life be like with her? So, I mean, to me, that, that actually like it brings it into like reality of like day to day existence, which is makes it even more profound because you have that sweet just musicality which is gorgeous. I mean, it's just the aesthetics are, it's amazing. But then it contextualizes it into like, into a practical sense of like that part of the song, the the chorus, it takes all this beautiful, like music aesthetics and, and arrangement and things. I mean, they could be singing the phone book as they say at, at this point, but you got this narrative and then the chorus pulls it into a, practical reality to kind of remind you like yeah don't be that dude don't don't just be sitting there like imagining something like it's almost like a almost like a cautionary tale the temptation switched to this uh, psychedelic kind of soul uh, and pioneered that sound they won a grammy and they kind of had a string of of these psychedelic soul songs until uh, this song this was their first back to the early 60s and uh, this was actually eddie kendrick's only lead vocal for the band and he actually left the band right after this this was their return to the motown sound i don't know if you guys listen to any of the uh, like psychedelic shack or any of that business mm. it's just very yeah. slight in the family stone they they really got away from they really like got away from their motown sound probably um, the most famous is Papa was Rolling Stone would yeah, be the most no, famous like example of their psychedelic song. But that was sound. after this song. That wasn't. Yeah, yeah. but it, it, they, they kind of went back to their psychedelics. Well, sound. actually, they're in, on the psychedelic shack. They they did the first version of War, um, uh, but it was cool. It's a very good version. And, and speaking of the harmonies, I mean, I would say the little drum roll going into the so one of my favorite parts of the song. It's funny that you mentioned drum roll because, like, the bridge, 
the drums kind of drop out and it gets like it actually the the only chord change besides it get, I think it goes to the five there. Right, Surely right. high. Really? Right. And it goes to the five. It's been one one four, one yeah. four the whole time. And then it goes yeah. to the five. The transition from the bridge to back into the verse, the drum fill in there, it's like the most perfect example of music. Like pop music and there again anything since Mozart or Debussy. It's just pure music so simple and there again that's what makes it so truly transcendent because you can't explain it with just the notes or the beats because anybody can play those notes and beats and ain't nobody else ever done that yeah it's the pocket and i know exactly what you're talking about because it's just that one and bass drum hit is so like you listen on headphones it's like and it's just two drum notes it's amazing One of the coolest things about the song is the bridge is actually a bridge from dream to real life. It's a literal bridge. And when he comes out of the bridge, he's like, she doesn't even know my name. So, right. It's like I, I watched the director's cut of Eraserhead, which is David Lynch's first movie. And he was like, Eraserhead is an idea within an idea. And for some reason, when they go into that bridge, that's his like last chance to like will it to happen. It's like an idea within like the original idea that's like, all right, this is going to happen now. And then the like anticlimactic, she doesn't even know me. Oh, that's the <laughs> that's the part to me that, that that brings it that actually makes it like say almost a almost like a cautionary tale because without the bridge you can make an argument that it's just kind of anecdotal just storytelling but with that part you really hear like someone who is obsessed but not acting on it and they're continually staying getting off on the vision and at the expense of making anything happen in their lives I think that's the and so when you when you bring that part into it, to me it's just like it's like it's like a, a Swiss Army knife fucking built into a Salvador Dali painting or something. It's crazy. So, so we've established it could be a, a, a childlike wonder, you know, maybe like your first crush. It could be uh, inspiration for someone who can't get off their ass and like go after what they want, or it can be a, a cautionary tale for uh, <laughs> serial killers everywhere. <laughs> Not for serial killers, for <laughs> folks who are trying to avoid becoming a serial killer. Yeah, yeah, I think there's other cautionary tales <laughs> besides this song. So I think we're all in. A, are we all in agreement that the the bridge is the the pinnacle of the song? No, the pinnacle of the song is the fact that the bridge allows you to step out of it, and then it's the coming back into the. The reason why the bridge is so powerful is because it gives you an opportunity to re-enter the dream. It gives you a chance to experience reality which clearly sucks <laughs> and then via that little drum feel it lets you slip back into the dream i mean he's saying the bridge was the the pinnacle but you're saying like the very end of the bridge i, I think you guys are uh splitting hairs. Yeah, and I, no, no, that, no no we're saying no we're saying the same thing in the opposite <laughs> the bridge in and of itself is not it's symmetrically opposite the bridge in and of itself isn't particularly enjoyable it's cool it's good i dig it i mean i really like it but the best part of the bridge is re-entering. So it's the kind of thing, it, it, it's like denial. It's like then having that denial then 
coming back into the dream. It's the transitional phases. So it's like a negative. It, it pulls you out just so you can get back in. I, I just love how it comes in with the every night on my knees I pray. The yeah, vocally. Vocally, sure, thankfulness that isn't really in existence. When it transitions into it after the bridge, it, it's like a different animal at that point. You, you're going back into reality, but like you might have more confidence to like pursue it. You know, it's just my imagination. But I mean, for me, I hear it as just more indulgence. I hear it as more just like the sweet like relief of non-reality. Yeah, but so but let me ask you this though. So if you're hanging out, if you think of this too. What part of the tune do you think you would naturally start humming first? The chorus. The chorus. The most boring part. <laughs> That's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> um, I, I think, Jonathan, you know, you're very passionate about it. Um, but I think but I think Josh is right. Just the bridge, it really is. And that, that change, I will surely die. I mean, that like that one change is the only... Thing you can point to that really like ties the whole thing together. I'm saying, you know, the verse and the chorus is a 10 and the bridge is like a 9.9. So I'm not like crap, I mean, I'm not shitting on the bridge, but just my imagination. 11. That fills an 11. <laughs> Oftentimes, bridges are, are effective not because they elevate the song but because they give you a chance to experience yeah it's a relief lack they give you a chance right they, let you re, they, they, they reintroduce you to the song they it gives you a chance for that reintroduction and so you kind of get pulled back in that being said the arrangement in the bridge with the the violins and there's playing some kind of dissonant uh -huh. note and the way it kind of I think it kind of retards. Like I could be wrong, but I think it kind of slows down. And his vocals definitely do. Everything's the dreams starting to fall apart, and then she doesn't even know me. Just reality hit the harshness of reality. Something um, I just thought of. One of my favorite parts of the song is I think twice during the tune they go to that classic line: the bum 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 bum. It's a classic rip. Like I feel like every musicians use that once in their career you know i know nathaniel right i know yeah. <laughs> he's basically well, see, made a that, that's the thing that and and, and I, I certainly can't swear to it but the reason why everybody uses that is because it was in this song <laughs> yeah yeah totally i mean that's yeah or, or, or some other motown song but like it's like this is the genesis of all that stuff yes yeah, i would say my other favorite part is just the harmonies on i can visualize it all just a because you know motown was the start of just this just sweet rhythm uh r&b just and they they're mixing in rock and they're really perfecting music at that time, Motown was just light years ahead of everyone else. Did you guys listen to any of the covers? I did. I don't think I heard any. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the most prominent is the Rolling Stones version. Oh, yeah, I did know that one, which is, that's why I kind of forgot it, about it. from their Some Girls album <laughs> in the late 70s, and it's it's pretty just standard rock and roll. <laughs> I do not prefer that. It's not better. <laughs> well, it's just like the Stones showing that they love a song and they yeah, and it's, it. it's it's very just like 
hey guys, let's play this song. Like it's very milk toast. Their version. They're like, hey, let's just. The only like saving grace is, I mean, obviously it's not a bad version. No, it's totally cool. And the, the the harmonies in the in the chorus, they actually make the the song the chorus is the most interesting part. I listened to Rod Stewart's version, which I liked because it didn't creep me out because I knew he was just a dirty dog that like. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that any better, but like I just believed him. Like it was just—it's not as dreamy. It's more just like, hey, I'm Rod Stewart. I like girls. I like a lot of women. Uh, Boy, I listened to there was a Babyface and Gwyneth Paltrow so version, which is bad. I do not prefer that. It's pretty much a karaoke version where they change the words. <laughs> it was from a '90s movie called Duets. Um, uh, that's, yeah. the, that, that's the one with Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, and and. and uh, there, and that's that Smokey Robinson wrote that tune, that cruising tune that they sang. Yes, yes with Huey Lewis, yes. Yeah, yeah my, right. My girlfriend and I used to listen to that song a good bit. We did um, enjoy that. Did you listen to the Pete Bjorn version? So the Pete Bjorn version okay. is... I didn't think it was that bad. Okay, it's not bad, but it's, an, it's basically you take like late 90s alt rock, you remove the soul from the song, which <laughs> there's no soul in the song. It's just, <laughs> that never sounds like a good idea. It's late 90s alt rock. Which I don't know if you can say like alt rock really has that much soul in it anyway. It's no, just no, a form it, it sounded like '90s rock version, but it was like it was done well. Um, I would say that yeah, after the Stones and like Boys to Men did one on their Motown covers, but that's pretty standard. It's just like a cover of the song. Donnell Bird, I, I listened to a cover of. It's very like free flow jazz where they just kind of repeat certain phrases of the song while doing it. And <laughs> when a band does that, that's why I call it Hooters Takeout. <laughs> and the reason why I call it Hooters Takeout is because sometimes folks miss the point of doing something. I did find on YouTube um, a version of just the instrumental and the harmonies, which is really cool. Yeah. So lead vocal, so you can just listen to like all the background stuff, and then a vocals only um, version. I, I would recommend to anyone like see on YouTube if there is a vocals only version of. Any song you like, because it's so cool to listen to. Yeah, just the acapella. vocals are great. It's it's great. I mean, you have the the Queen uh, and David Bowie under pressure. You have the Paul McCartney back in the USSR, or no, Helter Skelter. Well, and the whole Pet Sounds album. That yeah, vocals on which it. is great. Uh, Johnny, so this is your song. What would you recommend people listen to if they enjoy this song? You can't really go wrong with anything from Motown, but there is a song by the four tops they were kind of you know rivals in, in the friendly system this song is called i'm in a different world wow. and talk and talk about a tune that they're again but this song's the opposite the chorus is about how difficult and stressful life is and how anxious it can make you feel and then when He's with his lady, though, how he's in a different world. And it's got some more, it's got a little bit more of that, like, drum feel, like, magic, like, transitional shit that we're talking about. But, man, when it comes into that course, it's, like, just the epitome of soul music. I don't know that song, so I, I'll definitely give it a listen. Neil, you got any recommendations? I do. Well, I had the four tops, just bands, um... From that time, Junior Walker with Shotgun, just that's a great Motown. Um, Sam and Dave, Hold On, I'm Coming, Soul Man. Uh, Four Tops, it's the same old song. And uh, do you guys know the Ch Chai Lights? Is that how you? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I know them. I've always loved that song, which is like, 
it's basically if the Temptations lost, got this girl, and then lost her. The oh girl, I'm in yeah, yeah. yeah. Let oh, me know. Great song, great song. Well, was that this is a little later, right? Seventy four, yeah. seventy. Yeah. I'd almost say eighties, but I have no idea. But yeah, I mean that's. Uh, and I would also recommend listening to The Temptations, uh, what was that song? A Whole Lot of Soul, their album, that starts with I'm Losing You. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. So good. I, I, an amazing time. I, I would say, um, uh, for me, I, I'll just I'll stick with The Temptations. I mean, I, like Jonathan said, you know, Mo, the Motown sound, uh, you can't go wrong with. I would say uh, Wish It Would Rain is my favorite Temptation song. Uh, my girl, you can never go wrong with such a great tune. Oh, oh, and now this is later. It's different. It's like the it's like the ten years or twenty years later version. But I mean, Night Shift by the Commodores is uh, like. I mean, that might have to be its own its own episode they because that song that song on this because that tune is out of control. Like uh, that's, um, I, 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 I last thing I'm gonna say is uh, I remember in the '90s when like VH1 and was doing all the like behind the musics and like the biographies. There is a, there was a VH1 Temptations movie where Leon played uh, the member. David of the, Ruffin. He played he played David Ruffin. Yes, just a. Excellent movie. If you it's on at Christmas. This is always on at Christmas, and it's it's on for like ten hours. Yeah. With commercials, it's like ten hours. It's like all day. It's, but it's yeah, so it's like good. A three night event, Temptation. I mean, they are one of the most popular bands of all time. I mean, they had a ton of number one hits, sold ten, tens of millions of records. Yeah, they're uh, they're really a uh, a standout. I mean, and one more point about the band is I love that they went through so many iterations that they're just the Temptations, like. To the general public, no name stands out. It's just the Temptations. Norman Whitfield, Barrett Strong, Mississippi native, uh, wrote most of their hits. So then those were the two guys that were mostly the constant. But Except um, for my girl, Smokey. Yeah, because he he picked out David Ruffin. Um, he saw them at uh, like a, a Motown review they they used to do back in the '60s, and Smokey was like. He's perfect for my girl. And to for Smokey to give that song to the Temptations, be like, know that that's an amazing song. Be like, this guy's gonna crush it. <laughs> like to give that away. Wait, Johnny, you got a Motown, you got a Smokey Robinson story, right? I was getting on a flight from Charlotte to Los Angeles, and I was looking around. And I was like, there's a brother in the first row of first class in the first seat, and green eyes. I was like, there's a brother with green eyes, like. I was like, oh, that's Smokey Robinson. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I just put my hand out, and I was like, you're one of my favorite artists of all time. And he sh- and he went to say something, and I was like, of all time. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I like Smokey so much. Smoke. Yeah. Hush, Smokey. I, 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 listen, I don't, Smokey, if you're listening, I apologize. But it's just like, I was so overwhelmed that I couldn't even let him talk. I had to express <laughs> myself. <laughs> in the moment. Neil, when we recorded our first For the Kings album someplace up in Beachwood, Hollywood, like right below the Hollywood sign, there yep. was Smokey Robinson there had yesterday. carved his name into the door of the vocal studio, which was fucking cool. Yeah, uh, oh, nice. Sing a bunch of songs and well, like just look at like his little message. Yeah, his little message uh, just in the vocal booth, right on the door, right up top, said, getting some virgin door here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyway. I'd love to know the story behind that. All right, so that's uh, that's it for this week.
Each day through my window I watch her as she passes by And I say to myself You're such a lucky guy To have a girl like her It's truly a dream come true Out of all the fellas in the world She belongs to you But it was just my imagination Running away with me It was just my imagination Running away with me Well soon we'll be married And raise a family A cozy little home out in the country Two kids, maybe three I said, I can visualize it all This couldn't be a dream for how real it seems to be But it was just my imagination Running away with me you just heard was performed by josh bond and neil marsh thanks for listening to pod gave rock and roll to you if you'd like what you heard please subscribe and rate on apple itunes and spotify or wherever you listen if you'd like to communicate with us you can find us on twitter and instagram under the handle at pod rock next week is neil's week and neil wants to listen to doctor my eyes by jackson brown can't wait <laughs>